This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to another edition of the In Focus podcast. I am your host Ji Sampath. The Indian Premier League IPL has been in action since 2008, the year after India won the inaugural T20 World Cup. When Mumbai Indians played Rajasthan Royals in Bombay on April 30th this year, it marked the 1000th match of the competition since its inception. This is a historic moment in the history of the league, attesting to its extraordinary success and staying power. On this landmark occasion, we take a look at the impact IPL has had, not just on cricket but on cricketers. on the business of cricket on other sports in india and its oversized footprint in the domain of sporting entertainment and popular culture as a whole while its success is indisputable has its impact on other sports in india been positive can the ipl model work for growing a sporting culture in india that goes beyond cricket we explore all these and other questions in this episode of the in focus podcast and we have with us amol karhatkar from the hindu sports bureau amol thank you so much for joining us and good to have you back thanks a lot sampad looking forward to this wonderful topic that you have chosen for the day great great appreciate you joining us so to start with we have had now 1000 matches of ipl I mean, it's a big landmark in in India sporting history, not just in cricket for a private commercial league to to be able to sort of survive this long, and it's also a significant landmark in the business of cricket. So, how do you view the evolution of the league, the IPL, from two thousand and eight to the present, and what has struck you as the most significant trend or moment? I'm just curious to know your observations here. Sampat, it's like uh, from being something uh, that was actually an unknown in two thousand eight to having evolved as a proper cricketing model, as a proper business venture, as a proper commercial opportunity, and uh, more importantly, from a cricketer's perspective, as the most not just lucrative but critical uh, tournament. not just for an indian cricketer but for majority of cricketers aspiring cricketers all over the globe uh, it's been a phenomenal ride when it comes to the ipl i remember in 2008 uh, i wasn't working with the hindu i was working for another publication we all were actually just shooting in the dark we had no clue how to cover this product whether to cover the commercial aspect of it more or to focus on cricketing trends more so we ended up having eight reporters chasing a team each so i was at every game that mumbai indians played in 2008 and most of the times we were wondering how to go about it from there to actually have uh, come to a come to a stage wherein everyone involved in the league not just not just on the peripheries like you and i primarily those who are involved in the league have crystal clear idea about what they are supposed to do and what their roadmap is at least for the next 3 years that's huge and that's like what you said in the intro not just on cricket not just on global cricket even on the business of sport and going beyond that other sport in india it's it's just been a wonderful ride in so many ways not everything is unkidori but we'll obviously come to that 
Right. I mean, that's a very good point you made there, Amol. I mean, it's not just about it's an Indian product, but it is an Indian product with a global impact uh, that is undeniable. Now, uh, coming to its impact on various aspects we just uh, touched upon, how would you sort of summarize its impact on cricket as a sport and how it is played? I mean, there is a before IPL and there is a after IPL. And, and here I'm talking about IPL in particular. I'm not talking about how T20 has affected uh, cricket as a sport. I'm talking about IPL. Uh, what what are your observations there? Yeah, uh, very interesting journey. We can't really segregate T20 from IPL. So, it's like uh, when the first T20 World Cup was announced towards the end of 2006, early 2007, not many will remember that the BCC had opposed the idea of such a short format World Cup. Okay, BCC had actually threatened to not participate in that tournament. From winning that tournament to starting but the is that, is, that, now, is that also why this BCC being opposed to it and not many people thought much of it uh, at the time? Is it also possibly one of the reasons why some of the bigger names in Indian cricket like I think Drahoud and Sachin Tendulkar sort of skipped the... T20 World Cup paving the way for Dhoni to sort of make a big splash with by winning the cup? In so many ways, they were forced to skip the World Cup. Uh, so, it was like, finally it was portrayed that they have opted out of it. Okay, they were forced. Why were they, how, how were they forced out? I'm just curious. Because it was, it was perceived uh, to be a youngster's game. Okay. When, when T20 had just begun, India had played just one T20 international heading into the World Cup which was in South Africa towards the end of 2006. So, who forced them to skip it? Was it the BCCI? Primarily, Chief Selector Dilip Mainsarkar, who was clear that it's time to blood in youngsters for shorter formats, starting with T20. Full credit to him for doing that. Yes, exactly. He he uh, he has actually changed the course of Indian cricket in so many ways in those two years. Coming back to this IPL topic, see, it's like how it has changed cricket. One, it has brought in a lot of skill sets that were never acknowledged to be skill sets in the conventional sense of it. Some of the strokes, for instance. Okay. Number two, the thrust on fielding and fitness has gone to another level and that has uh, replicated or trickled into the longer formats. Number three, the method of playing aggressive cricket has resulted on the positive side of it it has resulted in majority of test matches producing results. I'm not saying only IPL is responsible for it. Well, T20 is at large, but because the whole world uh, of cricket wants to play in IPL, the uh, reasons will come to that later. I am attributing it primarily to IPL. Uh, the flip side of it is the skill sets have also been limited as such. So, hardly do you see an intense contest between bat and ball even in test cricket. The moment you have uh, favorable conditions for bowlers or one outstanding spell of bowling, be it a pacer or a spinner, the batting lineup just crumbles. That also has a lot to do with this limited skill sets that have uh, actually evolved due to T20s and IPL. Okay, all things combined, uh, if you actually try and uh, combine this along with the commercial impact of IPL, and you will realize that the whole cricketing landscape has changed. A lot of uh, it has to do why we only focus on IPL when it comes to the world of T20s is the presence of Indians only in IPL. Indian cricketers are still not allowed to feature in any other league. 
as long as they are active cricketer they have to retire to play in any other league uh, which is similar to ipl be it t20 or t10 they first have to retire number 2 why do other uh, foreign cricketers actually feature in ipl if indian cricketers cannot feature in their league that's where the bcci actually has come up with an amazing model wherein no country can stop their player forget about the fair trade policies that are adopted in most of the other cricket playing nation the simple fact is the bcci pays 10% of a player's auction fees as no objection certificate fee to his respective board so for instance when pat cummins is or this season when uh, cameron green is bought for 16.25 crore cricket australia get 1.625 crore for releasing cameron green for the whole season who's going to stop some of the cricketing nations like new zealand and west indies their noc fees are as much as their broadcast revenue for the year that's why ipl has become uh, what it is when it comes to the global cricket appeal right i mean this is a fantastic uh, uh, illuminating point i mean i didn't know of this that you know do you have this one way kind of an arrangement where indian cricketers can't go and play in other t20 leagues but foreign cricketers from other t20 from other countries which also have t20 leagues do and can come and play in india and that instead of objecting to this one way arrangement other boards are actually happy because bcci is playing uh, paying those boards Uh, extra money for that. I mean, whose idea was it? Is this Lalit Modi's idea? This kind of an arrangement, this model. Uh, a lot of it has to do with Lalit Modi, but it has evolved also. Initially, there was a lot of resistance. For instance, it took, despite this NOC thing, it took a lot of uh, uh, time for the England players to actually start featuring in IPL regularly. To answer your question, yes, it was Lalit Modi, but as much of credit uh, has to be given to Lalit Modi. it also has to be given to uh, the event manager the event managing partners who are around for the first 10 year img international management group and the uh, first set of office bearer that was also a party to all this but most of it came uh, from lalit modi's brain how it was executed became another matter but uh, most of the credit has to be given to lalit modi So, so we you just described its impact on on cricket and how it has sort of uh, led to uh, a widespread adoption of a limited uh, range of skills, uh, resulting in a kind of a, uh, either a bat dominated test match, one day match, or a ball dominated one, and that we don't see so much of an even contest between bat and ball. Earlier, it used to be because the pitches were that way. Now it seems to be the case because T uh, Twenty is sort of uh, manufacture this new breed of cricketers who are not able to handle a tough situation either way either with the ball or with the bat if it's an even contest now i was just curious to know what has been the impact of ipl on cricketers you know you spoke about the sport but what about those who play the sport how they plan their careers how they prioritize their time their fitness we know that there is a big commercial uh, incentive uh with ipl which may not match uh, which which may more than overmatch what they get otherwise so how do you, how does how has this changed the way cricketers prioritize and plan their careers yeah uh, fortunately unfortunately the whole cricketing landscape has been revolving around this two and a half months of ipl which may soon become three months okay uh, so effectively for indian uh, international cricketers the priority is to manage their workload so that they miss out as little as possible come ipl 
for Indian domestic cricketer, it's okay even if you uh, miss out on the full domestic season, be it Ranji Trophy or Vijayasari Trophy, which is the Wonders or Mushtaq Ali. If you are fit for IPL, if you get a longer run upfront in the tournament, if you are impressive, that becomes a ladder to your place in India's team. So the importance of overall domestic cricket structure has reduced to a large extent. Okay, uh, from a, an overseas cricketer's perspective, even if you are not selected for your uh, respective international team, if you end up getting an IPL contract, uh, you are sorted at least, even if it's at base price, it's actually more than what you get, uh, earn in your uh, full domestic season, despite uh, all the uh, foreign exchange related issues. Most of the times, it's more than what they get. And it gives you the recognition of having been a part of IPL. More importantly, everyone, be it Indian or overseas, once you're around the stalwarts of the game for two and a half years, merely by observing, you end up picking a lot of insights, a lot of nuances. Most importantly, you learn how to become a pro cricketer. Be it uh, nutrition, be it strength and conditioning, be it the usual match match day routine or off day routine. If you are serious about actually enhancing your skill set, you can do that by merely being around. So the whole cricket landscape revolves around these two and a half months in every sense now. Right. So you're saying in other words that the IPL has sort of cannibalized the domestic uh, cricket in not just in India but even in other countries. Yes, for sure. And it has led to the other countries starting to incentivize their own domestic cricketers and it has also started filtering into Indian domestic cricketer uh, wherein the BCCI in the last one year has tried to actually uh, substantially increase match fees for domestic cricket also. Right. So we've, we've just uh, discussed uh, the impact of IPL on cricket and how it is played. We have discussed its impact on uh, cricketers and how uh, they have sort of started to plan their year around uh, being fit for IPL because that is their most important uh, event. They also uh, once picked for it. Uh, it doesn't really sort of it sort of compensate even if they are not in the international team of their respective national uh, of their respective countries. Now going beyond cricketers and cricket, how do you think IPL has impacted other sports? In India, we we know, for instance, that there are other sports like Kabaddi, for instance, which have tried to replicate the IPL model. What has been the experience down that road? Has it helped? Has it hindered? What have you seen so far? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll come to that. Uh, but just before that, Sampath, uh, rather than giving an impression that we are uh, doing the cheerleading job for the IPL, we should also highlight that IPL has had its cons. IPL has had... Uh, its fair share of controversies. In fact, in so many ways, uh, more than being referred to as Indian Premier League, it has often been referred to as either in the Indian Paisa League or Indian Controversies League. And uh, we cannot Paisa. overshadow that. Indian Paisa League, yeah, and then that it might be an upgrade in terms of its nomenclature. Yes, yeah, please go ahead. I, I wanted to hear about this as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, what we saw just after the 1000 game, we saw the biggest controversy of the 2023 edition wherein two former India captains, one of them still active as a cricketer, the other one is a part of the support staff. They almost came to blows. They have a history of almost coming to blows in IPL as 
player. Now one of them is in a different avatar, and Gautam Gambhir and Virat Kohli still ended up almost coming to glory. What is Gautam Gambhir's role now? What he, what kind of support staff role does he play? I'm sorry, I I haven't he, followed it. He is a he is a mentor with the Lucknow franchise. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, in 2013, when Gambhir was the Kolkata captain and Virat was the RCB captain, they almost came to blows during a match. Uh, they also have some history, but beyond this, all, all of it, this controversy took me back to the first week of IPN when Harbhajan Singh and S. Rishad, the then superstars of Indian cricket, uh, they were involved uh, in what is uh, popularly referred to as Slapgate. Harbhajan allegedly slapped Srishant at the end of the game during handshakes. Okay. And that's when uh, the IPL had actually arrived for its promoter. The BCC quickly stepped in and ensured that these two being India cricketers were served Shoka's notice. Otherwise, IPL was on the verge of officially becoming WWE back then. Then we also saw, had it not been for IPL, we possibly may not have seen a cabinet minister being forced to resign due to a social media outburst, which, which was... Uh, at the center stage of the coaches scandal, which also led to Lalit Modi's downfall and all the FEMA-related violations that he is still trying to sort out or not sort out, but he is apparently staying in London, but he can't come back to India. The minister right? you are referring to is Shashi Tharoor? Yes. Okay. Uh, because his, uh, uh, his deceased wife was supposed to have a, a secret stake a sweat equity in the Kochi franchise and Lalit Modi put out the uh, ownership pattern out on Twitter. That is what led to Shashi Tharoor being forced to resign and finally uh, Lalit Modi uh, being forced to leave the country in a half. Okay. Then obviously the, the spot fixing standard. We keep hearing about uh, all cricket is fixed which is the most loosely used term especially for a, a cricket hater sports fan in India and there are just way too many of them okay uh, but in 2013 it was out in public the IPL spot fixing scandal uh, did as it, it wasn't match fixing but it was a spot fixing scandal it was it also underlined the alleged involvement of even the team owners or some of the high ranking team officials that is what actually paved way to this great uh, reforms in Indian cricket administration, also leading to reforms in Indian sports administration. So, had it not been for that spot fixing scandal, we may not have uh, seen uh, the Supreme Court directed reforms in Indian sport at large. Okay, then obviously uh, there have been this. Uh, short little controversies uh, in in every season of IPL, but that's become an integral part of IPL. But I just wanted to highlight to ensure that we are trying to do a balancing act. Right. No, no. I I completely uh, I don't know understand the need to sort of have a, a balanced view uh, amid all the all the cheerleading of uh, of the thousand matches achievement. Now, I was also curious, no, so you spoke about IPL being the spark that led to the entire reform attempt, I would say, 
from the Supreme Court uh, to sort of you know streamline and make it more transparent, responsive to cricketers' interests and all. But but I mean today we are now almost back to square one, isn't it? When what has happened to all those reforms? Many of them have been sort of rolled back or diluted to the point that it's meaningless. I mean, do you think the IPL initiated reforms still stand or? We are more or less back to square one with you know yeah. the different sets of rules for certain yeah. office bearers and so on. Yeah, yeah, it's been diluted like anything, but uh, and it it doesn't have any significance as such. A lot of the premise that was actually used to introduce those reforms was also kind of debatable. But uh, the the 2030 IPN corruption scandal. was the start point for these reforms to actually at least have been thought about now they have been diluted like anything we know that okay or uh, it's like that typical indian uh, system wherein to suit certain individuals everything is actually tweaked uh, and it's it's been the case all along in india it's, it doesn't have anything to do with uh, a particular dispensation being in power right In, in yes, India, sir. we usually use this term in in the skill art use the best, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's how we work as a country, and IPL is uh, no exception. These reforms have not been uh, any exception to it. So, uh, just to highlight, uh, coming back to our topic, it was the twenty thirteen IPL corruption scandal, which the BCCI tried its best to sweep it under the carpet. So there was a court case filed that the BCCI hasn't uh, actually followed its rule book. Then the court found out that yes, the BCCI hasn't found out its rule book, and they appointed a committee to investigate whether it is actually the case. That committee suggested that yes, they haven't found uh, uh, followed their own rules, and there has to be punitive action to ascertain that punitive action, and. Uh, since the earlier committee, which was the Mukhtar committee, had also suggested that there need to be administrative reforms, the Supreme Court formed uh, the Loda committee, and then the Loda committee, after almost two years, uh, came up with the punitive action on these two teams, Chennai Super Kings and Rajasthan Royals, were suspended for two years, and they also suggested what are loosely known as the former Loda reforms, if I may say. Right. Anyway, I mean that's a, that's a topic I think we've already discussed in a separate podcast. Interested listeners may look them up on 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 In Focus podcast on Spotify or the Hindu website. Coming back to IPL, Amol, uh, we were we were on this topic of uh, its impact beyond cricket on other sports. So, is the IPL more cricket specific, or is it something we can replicate for growing both commercially and in terms of interest and the number of adopters? Uh, Kind of a growing a sporting culture beyond, I beyond cricket. Do you think it's possible? How has it worked so far? See, first and foremost, had it not been for IPL, the other sports persons, at least the top sports persons from some of the other popular sport, would not have earned a a a stash of money at one go, thanks to the franchise-based leagues that have been tried out in others. the the key for ipl success is it is a mass sport so the market is bound to actually chase it it's an established mass sport it's an established commercial success so there was a revenue model set in place for the first eight franchise owners 
latest by sixth year because there was a chunk of uh, revenue assured in form of broadcast rights. By the end of the sixth season, every franchise was bound to break even. That was the whole crux of IPL success. It was replicated to a large extent by Kabaddi because they kept the costs low and Kabaddi also had a mass following. More importantly, just like cricket, the best quality in that particular sport is on display in Kabaddi. This is where the other franchise-based league lacks severely, both in terms of quality, not it's not the top quality sport in that particular sport, nor does it have mass following. So there is very little revenue in terms of broadcast rights. Some of the leagues have had to pay the broadcaster for it to be shown on TV. Then how will a franchise investor, a franchise owner earn money? That is why we have seen majority of the other sports leagues falling flat, barring Kabaddi. Okay, the pandemic actually, uh, as a, even this year we are witnessing the new badminton league is going to launch. There have been already two badminton leagues and that is the problem. Okay, I am not saying players benefit, but the sport as a whole does not benefit. The overall sporting ecosystem does not really benefit is how I see it, they'll possibly have to see that uh, franchise-based league with international sports persons has to be the apex of the pyramid. Does that particular sport have a wide base for it to actually keep or for that matter it has to be a cumulative effort or uh, uh, simultaneously they have to ensure that there are city-based leagues and then possibly look at an international league at the same time. Right, Amol, see, you, you, you made very good point, excellent points about what makes a franchise-based league viable. You said, number one, it has to be, uh, it has to have a mass following or mass interest. Number two, uh, it should be a high-quality uh, performance uh, on display. And number three, there should be like a broadcaster's interest so that uh, the franchise buyers and owners uh, have some kind of a guaranteed return over the long to medium term. Excellent point. Now, if you look at ba badminton, for example, I mean, uh, in, it is a mass sport in India. I mean, everybody is playing badminton wherever you go and see. There is a lot of interest. And we did get some top players uh, in from China, uh, from Hong Kong, uh, from, from uh, I think, uh, from Indonesia, Malaysia and so on playing. And we've also had our own set of top players. So why is that a problem in the badminton league? Uh, tasting the kind of success that IPL has had or Kabaddi has had for that matter. Okay, uh, uh, specifically about badminton league, uh, a lot of it also has to do with the uh, relationship between the promoter and the uh, federation. That is where IPL also has had its pluses. Okay, because IPL, the federation is the promoter. Federation doesn't have anything directly to do with the government. So there is very little government interference uh, from from the bureaucracy and all is how I am referring to it. Okay. Uh, no, the other sports are directly controlled by the government. And then when a promoter signs an MOU or buys rights or gets NOC from the federation, the federation asks for something in return. It may be uh, as little as something to do with 
having a particular uh, vendor as an operator or a specific venue for the tournament or of a set of players that the federation officials try and push to be around the league it it can be in any form and then the whole objectivity of the league is diluted uh, volleyball is one league that has actually tested some success uh, in its first couple of seasons because not too many of us are aware that volleyball is also kind of a mass sport as it, as it, it's, it's simpler to follow okay so uh, badminton perhaps if one promoter and the federation actually uh, end up sticking to each other for 5 years it may reap rewards which sadly hasn't really happened so far Right, so badminton, it, it, the problem is not structural, but it is to do with the nature of the relationship uh, the federation ends up having with the promoter of the league. Okay, we should probably come back to this in another podcast. So, Amal, I was curious, what about hockey? I mean, we've had, uh, we keep hearing a lot about hockey and there's been tennis also, which have had this franchise-based uh, uh, models uh, up and running. What has been the success in hockey and tennis, for instance? It's the same. It's it, in terms of continuity, it becomes difficult. Hockey, the overall landscape in itself is changing. Uh, even uh, world hockey is trying uh, leagues in so many ways. Uh, tennis, the problem is the quality. You can't attract top quality. As in, if you have, see, it's simple. Sampath, you want Indians to be dis- showcased, and you want top quality. Uh, world stage athletes to participate so indians should be able to compete with them so you can't really get the cream of international uh, sport right that's a similar case be it tennis or table tennis table tennis is one league that's uh, one of the most economically effective league but still it struggles to have uh, to retain its core ownership patterns for a long run they are reviving it uh, when it comes to table tennis this year after three years of COVID break. Tennis, uh, it's the same issue as in. Yeah, I understand your point. I mean, if we don't have uh, like top 50 or even top 100 players to take on uh, the best in the world in India in front of an Indian audience, that that's fine. I understand the problem. But hockey, uh, what what is the what is the issue with hockey? We we have quality. We have India which can play compete with the best. It's a mass. Uh, it got mass interest. So, what is the problem in the hockey uh, setup? The whole focus has shifted towards, like I said, the whole global structure of hockey uh, has moved to a league at various tiers. And that's where they have to carve out a, a window, the most popular word in franchise based leagues, especially IPL. That they'll have to carve out a window wherein uh, the cream of world hockey is actually available and it can again it has to be a sustained effort you can't really let uh, get into it now any longer that let's try it out and hope it will work if it's a five-year roadmap it will work but for that uh, all the stakeholders will have to be on the same page to begin with so you're saying in hockey basically the sport itself and the international level has moved into a league format therefore a domestic franchise based league uh tournament to take off it will need to carve out a window is that what you're saying Yes, because there are already European leagues uh, that are successful in hockey. So, uh, to to ensure all that actually comes uh, in place, it it will be a task. But I am sure they'll again give it a go in a year or two. 
Right. Now, we are running out of time. I'm also one final question uh, before we wrap up. So, we've discussed the impact of IPL on cricket, on cricketers, on other sports. We've discussed its biggest controversies. We've discussed how it has evolved over time since its inception. But there is one aspect also uh, which demands some attention, which is its footprint beyond sport itself. There is this entire melding of Bollywood with cricket, cricket with glamour and the near uh, takeover of sporting popular culture and even non-sporting popular culture, uh, the entire space for it in India, which IPL seems to have sort of begun to dominate. What are your observations of, know, of its imprint beyond cricket and Bollywood, glamour and so on? Yeah, it's like that was uh, at the heart of what, how it was consumed, right? It has to be a, a full-on family entertainment package. And it's worked to a large extent. It's brought because of the uh, so-called uh, entertainment uh, appeal, the Bollywood connection and the presence of regional stars at most of the games and all. It's brought out, uh, as in it's helped uh, cricket and IPL get a new audience. The younger uh, lot, the females, which were not really glued into watching uh, cricket till then, or at least it was how it was perceived. All of them came back, the whole families. As in IPL actually replaced uh, the daily soaps all over India. Other sports have tried to replicate it, but because of all the other factors that we have discussed. In the last 15 years, I personally feel that IPL has reached the stage that uh, when it comes to the cricketing aspect, the cricketers have realized that yes, uh, being around the uh, celebrities is fine, enjoying party culture is fine, as long as the core, that is cricket, is not affected. So the first 2-3 years, we used to see uh, cricketers parting till uh, mornings after a night game. Nowadays, that doesn't happen. Nowadays, cricketers have realized that if they don't perform on the field, they'll perish off it. It's as simple as that. But from an IPL perspective, uh, the the arrangement of uh, have it as in that this is how the first uh, tagline of IPL was also uh, quite similar, right? It, it was a wedding between Bollywood and cricket. In the first 15 years, it still largely remained that if at all IPL expands, either in terms of more teams or in terms of more games or in terms of duration in the near future, possibly we'll see uh, the connection being uh, slightly reduced than what it is now. But this was the USP of IPL at the start of it. And so far, it still remains a USP of the league. Right. I mean, uh, it, it's very interesting uh, how you have uh, put this entire uh, uh, phenomenon. Uh, I mean, I, you, it's, it's absolutely, I think, accurate to say that IPL's biggest, uh, the secret of its success, uh, so to speak, is, is its ability to expand uh, the appeal of cricket to a broader audience where it's not just uh, cricketing uh, entertainment or even sporting entertainment, but family entertainment as a whole, so that even those who don't really follow cricket closely, who are not cricket enthusiasts, even they uh, do tune into cricket when it's IPL, if it is IPL, and that is one of the factors for its uh, incredible appeal, a broad-based appeal. It's not just cricketers who follow, I mean, cricket-loving public, but an entertainment-loving public who wouldn't mind uh, cricket as it were. Thank you so much, Amul, for uh, talking to us and for sharing your observations. Always interesting. 
Thanks a lot and hope to see you again soon. Thanks a lot, Sampath. Cheers. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.